This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Why are there so many different denominations within Christianity? I mean, if Christians can't even agree with one another on what's true or on what Scripture says, how can we propose to the world that we have the truth, that we know the truth, and that they should trust what we believe? That's what we're going to be discussing on today's podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Robbie Lashua. I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, Unfortunately, Tyler is not here because he is on a mission trip to Japan uh, doing some awesome stuff over there, working at the university and working with uh, J House Church to bring the gospel to the Japanese people. Uh, If you'd be praying for him, we'd really appreciate that. I know that um, there are really um, not a lot of Christians in Japan. It's very, very minuscule uh, Christian population. And so if you'd be praying for, for uh, Tyler and for our entire team from Desert Springs that's over there, we would really appreciate it. But today, you have me and me alone, and so we'll see how this goes. Uh, but before we get started with talking about denominations, obviously want to bring our, our coffee tip. That's kind of what we do here in Christ Culture and Coffee. We talk about uh, coffee and how good it is and how good God is for giving us coffee. And uh, today I wanted to, to mention to you a specific coffee drink that I'm sure you've all heard of, the cappuccino. One of the things that the cappuccino has in it is it's made of espresso and milk and foam. And there's, there's a few different ways you can get the cappuccino. When I used to work at a coffee shop, people would order a wet cappuccino or a dry cappuccino. And all that means is how much froth you put into it. A wet cappuccino has less froth and it's more milky. So it kind of comes out more like a latte. But a dry cappuccino, they, they, they will even pick up the cup and they can feel it. If it's lighter, that's what they're looking for because it's a little espresso, mostly foam from milk on top. Um, And that's what a lot of people like. Some people put cinnamon on top of it. Others put some uh, cocoa powder on top of it. But the cappuccino is a really delicious drink. It's been around for a long time. Obviously, it's Italian from the name cappuccino. Uh, but where did it come from? Where did that name come from? And it, it's it's an interesting piece of coffee history. Uh, the name cappuccino actually was derived because of the color that the cappuccino looks when milk and espresso are mixed together. And and if you you look at a latte or cappuccino, you can kind of see it's it's like a light brown color. Well, this uh, color reminded people in Italy of a certain group of monks that they have in Italy, um, what are called the Capuchin monks. Now, the Capuchin monks uh, are a derivative of the Franciscan monks, and what happened was in in the 1500s, there was a monk named Matteo, and he wanted to take the order kind of back to its roots of the the Franciscan order from St. Francis Assisi. And he was saying, we don't even dress like he dressed. We don't, we don't live in poverty. We, we don't help the poor. And so he sought to go back to that. And when he did, one of the things he, he first did was he grew his beard out um, like St. Francis, but he also changed the, the order. He changed the, the clothing that the monks wore. And he, he wore a light brown robe, kind of what we think of when we think of monks, a light brown colored robe. And then... He added this um, light brown colored hood for the monks to wear. Well, this hood is where we get the name 
uh, cappuccino. Uh, in in um, in Italian, the word for uh, uh, hood is uh, cappuccio, and when you add the eno ending and you call it a cappuccino, the, the, the eno ending is what's called a diminutive, and it makes it mean small or little. So cappuccino literally means little hood because these monks had a little hood <laughs> that they would wear with their new order, the capuchin monks, the cappuccino. Uh, and so that's where the word came from is when people started making the coffee drink, they saw that the color looked remarkably the same as the robes that the cappuccino monks wore, thus the name cappuccino. So that's your coffee tip for today. The next time you order a cappuccino, you kind of know where it came from. You know the, the um, origin of the name. And you could probably wow a few baristas uh, with all of that information. So today, uh, we're answering a couple of questions that we got uh, emails from uh, two different people actually emailed us asking about denominations and how uh, atheists will will argue that Christianity can't be true just based on how much of a variety there is within different Christian denominations and which denomination's right, which denomination is false. And so we thought we would tackle that today uh, on on the podcast. So a common objection that we do get is that. Because Christians can't even agree with each other on what believe, and there's so many different denominations, Christianity must be false because we don't even have our act together. We don't even we don't even all know or agree uh, what we what we hold to doctrinally. And if you if you just think for a second about this, that is not a good argument because let's apply it to something else. Uh, we could say the same thing about science. Many scientists don't agree with each other on every little thing, right? But does that mean that science doesn't exist or that science is untrue? Uh, I know a lot of basketball fans who disagree on who the greatest player of all time was. Some think it's LeBron James, some think it's Michael Jordan. But just because they disagree on something doesn't mean they're not basketball fans or that basketball doesn't exist. Just by sheerly disagreeing, it doesn't disprove anything. And, and so, so this argument is, is kind of a, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work to disprove Christianity, to argue against Christianity. But within it, um, I, I do think it's important for us to understand and to think through, why are there so many denominations? And, and what's the deal with us disagreeing with other people we would say are Christians because of what they believe about Jesus? And so that's what we're going we're gonna to dig into today. Why are there so many denominations? The main reason is because different people have different views about things. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Different people have different views about things. Now, before we get into the differences, I want to explain what makes someone a Christian, right? If we're going to say the word Christian, we need to have a definition of what that is. And what makes a person a Christian are certain non-negotiable beliefs, now, these non-negotiable beliefs we can call uh, close-handed issues. I like that imagery because it's, it's as if we're holding these things tightly. And this isn't something that, that is arbitrary or that we can change our mind on. No, to, to be a Christian is a specific thing. And there are certain close-handed non-negotiable issues that you have to believe in order to qualify as a Christian. So, so what are these? I, I think there's five that you have to believe in order to be a Christian. Uh, the first is that there's a God. 
that he is a monotheistic God, right? He's one God. You have to believe in a God to be a Christian. I think you have to believe that this God is triune, that he's a trinity, that he exists as Father, Son, and Spirit, as as is laid out all throughout Scripture in so many different ways. I think you have to, as part of that, believe that Jesus Christ was God, right? If, if there's one God who exists in three persons, and the second person in the Trinity is Jesus, that means that Jesus is God. So, deity of Christ. The fourth thing that I believe you have to believe to be a Christian is that Jesus rose from the dead that Jesus rose from the dead, that he conquered Satan, sin, and death, that he died on the cross for your sins, and he came back from the dead, proving that he is who he said he was. And the fifth thing that I think you have to believe is that to be saved, to gain salvation, it can only be had by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that, right? For by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So those are the five non-negotiable, uh, close-handed issues I would say you have to believe to call yourself a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian, that you believe there is a God who is a trinity and that Jesus Christ is the second person of the trinity and he is God. He came to earth, he rose from the dead, proving he said he was, uh, proving he was who he said he was, and that to gain salvation, to trust in Jesus, is by his grace through your faith, through your trust. That's a gift he gives us through grace. So those, those are the five non-negotiables. That's what it is to be a Christian. Now, within Christianity, there are obviously many other doctrines. There are many other teachings in the Bible. But these close-handed issues, uh, these non-negotiable essentials of what it means to be a Christian, you, you can't not believe one of those and still call yourself a Christian. That's, that's what we're trying to get to, okay? So if a person doesn't agree with the non- or doesn't agree with the essentials, they simply are not a Christian. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, well, then you're not a Christian. If you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead— you're not a Christian. If, if you don't believe that it's salvation by grace through faith, you're not a Christian. And that's why Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are not Christians. Um, a lot of times there's a misconception that uh, Mormonism is just another you know, denomination of Christianity or Jehovah's Witnesses are just another denomination of Christianity. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Because Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the close-handed, non-negotiable essentials of what it means to be a Christian. Mormons do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe he's a created being, that he is our older brother, that he is the, the, the spiritual baby of Heavenly Father and, and Heavenly Mother. And so he, he's not eternally God, the creator of all things, like John 1, 3 says. He is just an, an older brother of us um, who, who came into existence at a certain point. Now, the same goes for Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't believe that Jesus is eternally God. They believe that he is an, an angel. He's an archangel, that he's the first created being of Jehovah. Well, that's not true, and that's not what Scripture teaches, and that's not believing in the essentials of the Christian faith. 
Um, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, neither of them believe that it's salvation by grace through faith. They both believe that you have to work your way to heaven, that you, you must do certain tasks, and you must be a certain type of person in order to qualify for the best that their religion has to offer. Um, neither believe in the Trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is God. They believe Jehovah alone is God, and that the Holy Spirit, they don't even believe he's a person. They believe he's a power. And so um, they don't believe in the essentials of what it means to be a Christian. Therefore, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses are not denominations of Christianity. They're a different thing altogether. Now, within Christendom, within Orthodox Christianity, meaning people who hold to these close-handed issues, these non-negotiable, non or these non-negotiable essential core doctrines, there are people who hold to those that have different beliefs about other things. And that's when we get into denominations. Denominations are groups of people who hold to the essential doctrines of Christianity, but have differences on non-essential doctrines of Christianity. So we have the close-handed issues, but in addition to that, we have what I like to call open-handed issues or negotiable issues. Uh, and, and we want to hold these with an open hand, meaning we're not closed in on them. We, we're, we're open to talking about them, to discussing them, to thinking through them. And yet we can still have strong opinions about why we believe what we believe with these negotiable open-handed issues. So for instance, um, end times, right? Eschatology. How is the world going to end? There are many Christians who hold to the essentials who disagree on how the world's going to end. You know, there's people who believe that Jesus will literally reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. There's other people who think currently, right now, we're already in the millennium. There's people who believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. There are others who believe that Jesus is coming back for the second time after the tribulation, not before, not pre. And so within that, both of the groups agree on the essentials, but they have significant differences on eschatology, on end times theology. Now, both are Christians. Both, both are going to heaven when they die. Both love the Lord, yet they disagree on end times prophecy. Uh, a lot of people uh, disagree on age of the earth, right? Is the earth six to 10,000 years old? Is it 14.2 billion years old? Uh, when were animals created? Was there a gap between Adam and animals? Was everything six literal days? I mean, there's there's Christians who hold to Jesus being God, him rising from the dead, salvation by grace through faith in the Trinity. They believe that, yet they differ on the age of the earth and how God created things. Obviously, when it gets down to um, weekly church practice, there's people who disagree on stuff, such as communion, right? The Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. How do we go about um, following this ordinance that Jesus instructed us to, to follow? Some people use wine. Some people use grape juice. Some people use unleavened bread, and some people use bread with yeast in it. Other people uh, say that, you know, they do communion once a month, once every six weeks. Some people say, no, he said as often as you do this. So that means every Sunday we need to get together. We need to do this every Sunday, not just once a month. Some people believe you should do it every day, right? You should do it every day. So these are differences of opinion on open-handed issues. Another one that, that comes into play, you know, is baptism. Should you sprinkle 
or should you fully immerse somebody as as they're baptized? And and there's Christians who hold to the core doctrines, the essentials, but they differ on these open-handed issues, these negotiable issues. And I'm not saying that these issues are unimportant. They're very important, but they're not essential to Christian faith. They're not the core of what it means to be a Christian. There are many Christians who disagree on these things, and yet they all agree on the essentials. I think it's important, too, to see how Scripture permits this. There's a passage in Romans 14. uh, It's actually Romans 14, verses 1 through 5. And this is what Paul has to say to the Romans. He says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One man has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Let not him who eats regard with contempt him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind." And what Paul is saying is people have different beliefs about certain things, about dietary laws or what days to worship on. Uh, uh, But it doesn't mean that they disagree with each other on the essentials, on the Trinity, deity of Christ, resurrection of Christ, salvation by grace through faith, that there is one God. But they disagree on these less important issues, and that's okay. And Paul says, don't cast judgment on them. You do what God's called you to do. You do what you believe Scripture is teaching. You you seek it out, and you come to understand why you believe what you believe on end times or on the, the origins of the earth and human beings, on communion, on baptism. All these things, you should know why you do them. You shouldn't just blindly do them. But you have to understand that there are people who do things differently, <clears throat> and although you disagree, it doesn't mean that they're not Christians. And that's that's what denominations are. They are Christians who agree on the essentials and disagree on the non-essentials. And, and it really does come to, to bear in practice, especially on Sundays at church. So I, I just want to list for you a couple of, of denominations and, and point out some differences between them. So you've, you've got some mainline denominations such as Lutherans or Presbyterians, and these groups um, are Christians. They believe in Jesus. They believe in salvation by grace. They are our fellow believers and brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but they believe in, in Calvinism. They have a certain idea of how salvation works and what God does with election and predestination and that people are totally unable, totally depraved to do anything about their situation. And they adhere to what's called uh, Calvinism. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum from that, you have the Nazarene denomination, Nazarenes are not Calvinists, they are Arminian, and they strongly disagree with what Calvinists believe happened at salvation. Now, does that mean the Nazarene aren't Christians? No, because they agree on the essentials. And the Lutherans and the Presbyterians are Christians because they agree on the essentials, even though they disagree on, on some important issues, they're still Christians. Same with uh, Baptists, right? Baptists believe you should immerse somebody 
for baptism, not sprinkle. And they have reasons for this. They have uh, um, scriptural evidence for this, and they say this is the way we see it done. It's the only way we see it done. It's always believer's baptism. And so that is a tenant of the Baptist denomination, that you immerse somebody, you fully dunk somebody during um, baptism. No sprinkling allowed, right? Now, again, what if a person (coughs) believes in sprinkling? Well, they're going to be very uncomfortable attending a Baptist church all the time, right? What if it comes for them to be baptized or the children to be baptized and they want the sprinkling? Well, that church isn't going to do that. And so it'd probably be better if you're convinced uh, through Scripture and convicted that sprinkling is appropriate to go to a church like a Presbyterian church that will do that, right? And it doesn't make it... um, um, wrong. It doesn't make it um, non-Christian to disagree on these different issues. You have Mennonites, right? What's the distinction of the Mennonites? Well, um, they they believe in baptism the way Baptists do, but they're also pacifists. They don't think that that violence is an answer. They think Jesus teaches, you know, to turn the other cheek, and that that being an, a part of the military maybe isn't isn't the best thing for a Christian to do. The Assemblies of God denomination, they believe more in the charismatic gifts, more in the speaking in tongues and prophecy for today. And see, this really, um, this really is evident through their Sunday morning worship. So somebody who believes that, you know, the, the charismatic gifts have ceased in the past will not be comfortable going to an Assemblies of God church where they're exhibiting speaking in tongues during the Sunday morning worship session. It would be a hindrance to some. But to others who believe that that's uh, uh, for today, they love it and they want it as part of their worship service. Now, all of these groups agree on the essentials, but they disagree on the uh, non-essentials, the negotiable, the open-handed. The Church of God denomination primarily does not use music during worship. That's one of their doctrinal distinctions. Non-denominational churches, right? So this is funny. So there's this group of churches who've popped up. They're independent, non-denominational. We don't affiliate to a denomination. And, And what is that group saying? They're saying that one of their distinctions is not to be part of a hierarchy or a denomination. So with, I mean, that in and of itself is a distinction, right? It's a doctrinal distinction. And so... All of these churches are Christian. They believe in the essentials and they disagree on the open-handed issues. Now, again, I, I do want to say, even within these denominations, all denominations, there's a spectrum of belief in regards to open-handed issues. Uh, like I said, there, there's Baptist churches, and baptism is their distinction, immersion, right? But within Baptist churches, there's some that are Calvinistic, there's some that are Arminian, there's some who hold to different end times theologies. So you're not going to be able to just say, oh, based on these different denominations, I know exactly every little minute belief of that church on every doctrine. The the best way to know what an individual church believes is to look at their doctrinal statement on their website. Like that will tell you where they're at on on the uh, essentials, which will basically be the same as every Christian church. But then obviously on the non-essentials, they'll put their distinctions in there. So you can go, oh, okay, I see where they're coming from on this. I see what they believe on this issue. I see what end times or what prophetic gifts or what type of baptism, all of those things you can see on the doctrinal statements on uh, churches' websites. Now, I think it's important to mention that there is nowhere in Scripture 
that says to be a good Christian or to be a effective church for Jesus, we have to all agree on every single aspect of doctrine. Uh, you don't find that anywhere. What we do find is a passage from John chapter 13, uh, and this is what Jesus says. So this is John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You see, it is not by our agreement on non-essential issues that will let others know that we are Jesus' disciples. It's our love for one another. Our love for one another. And this is the sad reality. A lot of times Christians let uh, their disagreements on the non-essentials pit them against other Christians, right? We, we, we look down our noses at people who we disagree with or, or people who have a doctrine that seems a little weird to us. We, 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 we develop this elitism. And Jesus says, no, uh, that's not what I want you to do. Uh, I want you, instead of pitting yourself against people who have different beliefs on non-essentials, I want you to love them even when you disagree with them on the open-handed issues. And i got to be honest with you, that's tough to do. It's really hard to do, to love people that you know you disagree with on things. Now, uh, I'm part of this group, uh, one of my professors from Biola, uh, he, he mentors me and, and a group of four other guys, and actually tomorrow I'm heading out to his house, and all of us are going to get out there and have a good time of fellowship and prayer and um, encouragement and, and talk about the Lord and what he's doing in our lives and, and talk about apologetics and just glean wisdom from our professor. Um, but uh, I got to be honest with you, um, th- these other four guys, I do not agree with them all. Uh, doctrinally on every single thing. There's one guy who's a Calvinist, and, and I, I don't agree with that. Uh, there's there's, there's um, the belief that uh, the rapture is going to happen after the tribulation by some. I don't, I don't agree with that. But that doesn't mean they're not my brothers in Christ. And it doesn't mean I can't hang out with them and love them. And, and it doesn't mean we can't talk about these things, right? We can discuss them, and we can argue, and we can do it in love. That is what Jesus has called us to do. Love each other within our differences. I mean, to the world, that would speak volumes because our culture believes that to disagree with somebody is to hate them. And there's nothing further from the truth. You can disagree with somebody and still love them, but that is not what our culture thinks. If you don't affirm me and you don't agree with everything that I think I agree with or that I do agree with, then, then you hate me. And, and that's just not true. So if, if as Christians, in our disagreement of the non-essentials, we can show love towards each other, the world will see that. And that is a stark difference from how our culture lives. That would be a, a, a light. That would be salt. That would be effective to show people how Jesus loves us and, and how we can love each other as we follow him, even in our differences. I think denominations are actually a good thing. 
Um, I think that as Christians, what denominations show us is that we're encouraged to think, we're encouraged to dialogue, and we're encouraged to disagree on certain things. Uh, we're, we're free to seek evidence, right? Jesus wants us to reason, to press the scriptures, to think about what he's saying, to be approved workmen, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is a good thing. And this is, it's, it's interesting because this is the type of thing you would expect to find in a religion that really was for all people people, right? If this is really true for people in all time periods, in all situations, in all parts of the world, uh, in all socioeconomic positions, in all racial positions, I mean, if you think about that, this is the type of thing you'd expect to find, that there's a few essentials that are you got to get, a few essentials that this is what it means to believe. But then there's dialogue and freedom and discussion and reasoning and thinking in a lot of other issues. Now, it's important to point out, I'm not saying that all views are correct, right? All views on the end times aren't correct. Um, Jesus is either coming after the tribulation or before it or in the middle of it, right? There's, there's, but he's not doing all of them. All of them aren't going to happen. So they all could be wrong. I mean, what, you know, what if he came three quarters of the way through or something like that? So they all could be wrong, but they can't all be right. They can't all be right. But I am so thankful to the Lord that I'm not saved based on how much of my doctrine is perfectly in line. I'm not saved based on how much I have figured out exactly. I'm saved by Jesus because of what he did on the cross because he offers salvation, and it's a gift of grace that I can receive by trusting that he died for me. This is what's different about Christianity. Um, Cults make everyone agree on every little point of doctrine, right? You think about Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness, they're not really encouraged to think outside the box. They're told what to believe by their leaders, and, and that's what cults do. They, they control. They don't encourage discussion. Our God knows that he's real. He knows that his word is true. He knows what reality is because he created it. And he's comfortable in allowing us to explore truth. Cults are not uh, comfortable in allowing their people to explore truth because it's a lie and it can be found out. And so the way you don't allow people to find out the lie of the cult you've created is to control them, tell them what to think, not help them to learn how to think. So Christianity stands in stark contrast to that, and that's why I think denominations are actually a good thing. Because number one, we can go out and we can study and we can come to different conclusions on some things because our our faith encourages that, while at the same time holding to the essentials and all being Christians. The freedom we have within the non-essentials is a really good thing. Number one, I think what we should do with it is that we should admit we don't fully understand everything about God, right? We, we need to be humble and realize our position and that we don't fully understand everything about this infinite God we serve. I also think, and, and this is my own thought, um, this isn't, I don't, I don't think all Christians believe this, but I think, I think that if God wanted to tell us exactly how old the earth was, he could do that. If God wanted to tell us exactly when the world will end, he could do that, right? 
If he wanted to be extremely specific, specific so there is no ambiguity, so everyone fully understands, he could have done that. And so the question I've often thought is, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he spell out each piece of doctrine clearly? And it makes me think, well, if he, if he wanted to, he would have because he, he could have. But maybe God values our love for each other more than he values telling us specifically how every single thing is going to go. Maybe... He, he allows these differences to be there. He didn't tell us clearly exactly everything because he knows we're going to disagree and he values that in our disagreement we choose to love each other and we choose to grow in love. He, he thinks that's better. He thinks that's more of a virtue. Maybe he didn't tell us everything because he wants to allow us the opportunity to love each other. And now it's super easy to, uh, to love people you agree with on everything. Uh, it's also boring, but but it's easy. It's hard to love people you disagree with on things that are important to you. And yet that's what Jesus is calling us to do, to show the world we're his disciples because of the love that we have for one another. Now, I think we need to study and know why we hold to certain open-handed issues, right? But the reason they're open-handed is because we hold them loosely. We hold them in humility we know that they're not the essentials. If I get to heaven and Jesus looks at me and he says, Robbie, come on, man. I can't believe you, you thought that about the origins of the universe. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I missed it. I really studied hard and I thought I understood what your word said with science. But Jesus, I just, I missed it. I'm sorry. Thank you for loving me enough <laughs> to forgive me. If, if, if we get to heaven, you know, and, and the end times don't work out the way I think they will, I'm going to say, man, I was wrong on that. I hold them loosely. I, hold, I study to know why I think it, but I hold them loosely because they're not the essentials. And I need to, you need to love other Christians within our disagreements. We need to love other Christians even within our disagreements and not, not pit them with a us versus them or, oh my gosh, can you believe how crazy they are in this aspect of their belief? They're our brothers and sisters in Christ and we are called to, to love them. We need to show the world that we are disciples of Jesus so that they can come to know him. And, and the way they're going to see this is how we treat each other within our differences. Like I said earlier, that will speak volumes to the world. We need to show the world that we're disciples of Jesus so that they can believe in him. And when I say that, I, I want to bring uh, people in this world into belief in the essentials of Christianity, right? That's why when we go out to evangelize, we start with the gospel, that you're saved by grace through faith because there was a man who was God who died on the cross and rose again for you. That's what we go out and share. We don't try to proselytize people <laughs> with our eschatology or with our views of, of the creation of, of the world. We go out leading with the essentials because that's what's important. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what will bring people into a relationship with God so that they can have eternal life. So I, I, I think that de denominations are a good thing and it's okay for us to disagree, but it's not okay for us to not love each other in our disagreement. So I hope that helps you today uh, think through uh, why there are so many denominations. And, and when this, this um, uh, objection gets proposed to you by an atheist or a skeptic, 
you'll be prepared to talk about it with them and to explain to them what, what we mean by this and why we're all Christians, even though we disagree on certain things. Thanks for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We'll see you guys next time. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.